Grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a natural and a good thing for us to, um, to see the text of the messages in Epiphany as a continuum. It is about the light of God coming into the world through the person and the example and the ministry of Jesus, um, but they all tie together, they weave together. Already you've noticed that with the uh, text from Isaiah. Oh, it's light again. It is the people of God longing for redemption. It is foretelling one whom the Lord will send. And yet there are aspects of it that, that seem to point to the story in John. And so uh, even on this Sunday, they are woven together, but also they are linked to the Sundays of Epiphany that we've, we've experienced already. It seems like, um, like Isaiah is speaking for the people, and he says, Redeem us, O Lord, restore the, the glory days and the powerful days, the, the days when we were respected among the nations. And the Lord responds and said, uh, I will make you a light to the nations. And uh, furthermore, I will do more than that. I will not remove all your suffering, but I will give you new things to do. I will bring forth a redeemer, my chosen one. There's that word again we saw twice last week. My chosen one who will come and redeem you, but not only you, for all the nations, for all the world, for all time. It is a threshold that, that welcomes us to this, this text from John. John with his uh, strong imagery, and, uh, and we know right away, well, light, light is going to be an important image in John. Him, him was life, he says in the first few verses of his, of his gospel, and his life was the light of all. And here, here we have, just a few verses later, John the baptizer, a relative of, of Jesus, uh, that is explaining that, uh, no, I am not the Messiah, but I have seen the Messiah. And it refers to what? The baptism, which we looked at last week. So again and again, there are links and connections so that we might know that, uh, that this is the authentic Messiah, the authentic Savior, who has come into world, through the world. It is not a flash in the pan. It is not a, a fading star. It is not something that, that, is, uh, that, that some agency or some people have promoted to, to sell something. No, this was forecasted from before time. And it has come to us through, through the holy literature of, of the people of God, Israel, and uh, become scripture to us the vessel that holds God's spirit for us here and now. So as we overhear and hear John explaining, I am not the one, but I did encounter the one because the Holy Spirit gave to me the message that you will know, you will know who the Messiah is, that when you're baptizing this person, the Holy Spirit will come, number one, and will remain will remain on him. It's the only place that we hear about this, this message from the Holy Spirit that came to John the Baptist. That was his thing, baptizing people. The Holy Spirit was working through him in that 
call of repentance. Turn around, turn around, make a change in your life. The Lord is providing better things, good things. And like all of us, like our children and maybe even their parents too, we don't always delight in the, in the good and better things that, that God is offering to us. But when we do, we, we, we find that, that a better world, a, a more illuminated world, a, a more liberated world opens up to us because God is there and we are delighting in God's ways and will. And then he said, and I did baptize one. I baptized one, and maybe we can imagine that he is in the River Jordan maybe, maybe many days and, and baptizing people, and as they come out of the water, inevitably they would look up and, uh, and shake the water from their, their hair and their eyes and, and, uh, and their faces all aglow, and there may be a sense for many that the Holy Spirit, God's own self, was, was there, a numinous presence there, something divine. We've known that here as we've baptized people, haven't we? Uh, timeless zone that, that says this is something more than, than we, that we could fabricate, something more than, than we have created, more than the words, more than the music that we've, that we've sung. God is here. It's like the veil has been lifted and we see that God is present and powerful after all, is the definition of the Holy Spirit. But yet on many of those on whom the Holy Spirit did descend, remember there was one, the Holy Spirit will descend and will remain on the one who is to be the Messiah. But in Jesus, in Jesus, it came and remained. It was part of the story last week in, in Matthew. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove and then remained on him, alighted the Holy Spirit like a dove on Jesus. A very simple message and a very easy one to, to judge maybe for, for John. And, and so, so it places in him, I am the forerunner of, of the Messiah, but I also am the identifier of the Messiah. So as the story unfolds for us that we that we heard, uh, here is the Lamb of God who takes away this world. And everyone hears him say that, looks where he is pointing, Jesus is walking by. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that image is rooted in the in the ancient story of the Hebrews. Um, the, the sacrifice of uh, of animals and the sacrifice of, of lambs, especially pure and spotless, innocent. Uh, the best was to be given to the Lord God. And that was the, the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. Ancient, prehistoric understanding of, of what humanity should do or needs to do for for. Uh, a living relationship with the divine. Remember how, how that was a part of the, the story of the exodus from, from Egypt, that uh, with the tenth plague that, um, that the lamb was to be slaughtered and the blood from the lamb put on the doorpost. And when the angel of death passed through, passed through the city, they would pass over, 
blood of the lamb on their doorposts. It was a sign. The mark of salvation. It was a sign of sacrifice, of suffering love. And the angel of death passed over and did not take the the eldest son and household. That was the turning point for the liberation of of the Hebrews, and and they were able to begin their journey toward their promised land and out of captivity. And we have understood ever since that that not only is historic, but it also is a model. It is something that that seems to be at work in the lives of people, families, individuals, that there is liberation that can come to us through sacrificial love. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John says. And so here is the one, the lamb who was offered by God, not only to put an end to the animal sacrifices, but also to say this is something that is going to be settled once and for all. That this Messiah will have that kind of an impact. He will do this kind of liberating in the world from now on. And then it gets... Then it gets kind of interesting. It always does when more people get involved, isn't it? You kind of plan what you're going to say, and then other people show up and have ideas about how to add to it. And then it's really fun, isn't it? Uh, well, that happened here too, as as uh, John's followers, some of them started following Jesus, and they uh, and then Jesus turned and, and saw them following, and, and he said to them, "What are you looking for?" Key question of Jesus. Those are good things to collect. What are the questions of Jesus? What are you looking for? Where are you staying, they replied. They weren't just curious about what airbub or what, uh, what motel or hotel he was staying. Where are you staying that we might stay with you, is what they were, they were asking. Meno is the Greek word. It means abide. Where are you abiding? Where are you abiding? And Jesus doesn't answer, oh, just down the road and uh, around the corner there. I have some relatives here. I'm staying with them. He, he doesn't give an address, but he says, come and see. So he is responding to their question, can we abide with you? Can we spend more time with you? Can we be with you and uh, learn from you? Can we follow you, not only now, but perhaps for the rest of our lives? One of them was Andrew, it says, Simon and Peter's brother. He found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And so we recognize that the disciples of Jesus are, are being called and this is the dynamic of their, of their response, their calling, that Jesus invites, they respond, and then their life with him begins. Hmm. Jesus' question really keeps resonating through there, doesn't it? What are you looking for? Maybe several times a day you have to look for things 
Sometimes I'm in a room looking for something and I can't remember what I was going to look for. And finding many other things. And what was I going to look for? I have to retrace my steps and try to get, oh, I was looking for that and may or may not find it. What are you looking for? We're, we're familiar with that as a, as a universal activity. We look for addresses. We look for something to eat. We look for... Uh, we look for entertainment. We look for uh, a warm coat this morning. And we look for our sunglasses when we leave church today because it is really bright up there. We look for things that we need and maybe give us comfort. But we also spiritually look for things too. We look for things for our, our lives. Maybe that's why Jesus said, John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Was it just an idea that popped into his head, or did he know, maybe from his own human experience, that, that there are things that we look for? The people that study our own culture uh, say that the task of, of, of people in their 20s and 30s is to basically look for, for three things. They look for a person, for a place, for a position. A person that they can spend their lives with. A, a, a person that they might need as a, as a friend. A person that they might spend time with. For a, a place. Oh, as they're launching from their own home, if they've been in a a nuclear family with uh, with a house. They they're thinking about where is my place and uh, where will I live? A condo, uh, or in a farmhouse, or a single family dwelling, or 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 a commune, or where is my place on this earth? Where will I have my being and my abode? Where will I abide? A person, a place, a position. They look for a position. What is my role? How am I going to work? What is my career? Will I have a title? Uh, what will be my responsibilities? Will I feel happy and fulfilled in that position? Of course, in those, in those three labels are layers of, of meaning that, uh, that kind of sift down into, into the, the deeper longings of our heart and our, our existence. We long for persons in our lives that, that bless and, and train and give us wisdom. We long for persons that, that we can trust. Uh, we really long for, for, for people that will draw the best out of us and in, encourage us. We long for a place in which we, we can feel safe and which we can contribute and which, which we can shape with our own gifts and uh, and our own and our own giving, and we look for a, a position that uh, that will fulfill the sense of destiny in our in our lives, to uh, to help us overcome all the different unforeseen things that happen uh, to us as we live this life with all its uncertainties. Interestingly enough, those. Two lists converge in Jesus. 
Not only is he the way, the truth, and the life, but also he is the, the person, the place, and the position. And that's what was happening with these disciples that followed Jesus, and, and very specifically, Andrew, and then Simon Peter. They found that, that he was the person that they were looking for. Not only in their, in their Jewish faith, uh, longing and, and looking for the Messiah, foretold by Isaiah, and in the, the hope and promise of, of redeeming Israel, uh, but the one who would, who would give them the ability to, uh, to find meaning in, in a place where they could abide. Abide with him, and not only in following and learning of his example and his teachings, but, but abide in, in his ways, to soak up his, his teachings, uh, to be, if you will, baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit through Jesus, and to live out their gifts and their own callings with, uh, with fire, with energy. And that was the position that they were given in finding Jesus. It was a wonderful day for them, and a day that, uh, that the church needs to keep proclaiming and, and inviting people to, uh, to see and to, and to step into. Sometimes, we, uh, sometimes we're tempted by the world. We already prayed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of the things that we're tempted by is to, uh, is to resemble the culture. Uh, Apostle Paul said, be in the world, but not of the world. A lot of latitude in there. What is being in the world and what is of the world? Well, maybe it, it has to do with what is, the, what is the essential thing that we need to be proclaiming and, and displaying in, in, in thought, word, and deed. What is the, the witness of our lives? Uh, what is the person and the place and the position that we consistently present to any who would, who would come in contact with, with the church or with us as, as believers and followers of Jesus? Now, our youth are at uh, Covenant Harbor right now, and they've We've had a wonderful, frigid time. Been a, uh, a traditional time of blessing for, for our youth. I have pictures uh, there in my, in my office of, of the groups that have gone in, in past years and, and a glance at them, think about where they are now and, uh, and pray that the impact of their time among us. Most of them have moved on into uh, other places and positions. We want them to do that. They want, we want them to, uh, to flourish. But I pray that they haven't moved on from the person that they met here, the person of Jesus, the person that they have met in the likes of each of you, not only in your example, but in your, in your interaction with them, your encouragement, your kindness, your patience with them. Those are the things that will bless them throughout their lives. 
those are the things that uh, that will be in their lives, maybe dormant. To adulthood, but still there by the power of God, because the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was in his followers, and down through the generations and the cultures, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And when you remember that, when you make choices to display that, that becomes an abiding invitation to come and see who you need to see, the person of Jesus. Here's a story uh, told by Jim Somerville. He's a pastor in uh, Richmond, Virginia. And he said that uh, when he was starting out in the ministry, he was... Uh, he was a, a youth leader, a youth pastor in, in a church. And he, uh, he determined that he would have the, uh, uh, the largest and the most vibrant youth group in town. So he, uh, he organized uh, one event after another. And they went to, we went to ball games and concerts. And, and, they, uh, and they had uh, video equipment and... and installed in the church, and, and they had uh, just a great time, one event after another. And, uh, and then as, as time went on, he, uh, he, had, he had one event that, uh, that was getting, getting slow response from, from the kids, and he, he thought, well, I'm going to just make a couple calls, and and see see what's going on. Maybe I've missed something else in the schedule or whatever. I called up one of the boys uh, who had been coming to the group and and uh, and said, "Hey, hey, hey! We got this. We got this event. You know that we're going to uh, we're going to be doing tomorrow night. I noticed that uh, haven't uh, haven't signed up for it." And uh, and the boy said, "Oh, oh, that, oh, that's all right. That's all right, Jim." Um, uh, I and some of my friends are going to a movie. And Jim said, that was okay that they were going to a movie, but it hit him right then. It hit him right then. What he had been offering the youth was, was competing with everything else in the culture. It wasn't anything different or distinctive from what was being offered by the culture. He said, what they're not getting in the culture is Jesus. He said, that was a turning point in my life. It was a turning point in my position as a youth leader. I resolved that I would be inviting them to Jesus. That no matter what we did, it might have different clothes on and different approaches, but there would always be Jesus that would be offered in the youth group of the church. Lead us not into temptation. It's the invitation in this story to fix our eyes upon Jesus and to realize that the abiding with Jesus that these followers long to do, where are you staying? We want to come and menno, abide with you, hang out with you, 
Uh, tonight, probably stay overnight in the lodgings where you are. We want to follow you. We want to soak up what you have. You have the Holy Spirit, something unique that we haven't found anywhere else. And now, my longing of my soul is responding. I want to know more. I've encountered that, that myself uh, years ago in uh, the church that I was, was pastoring at the end of the service. Uh, we were meeting in a school. It was a church plant. We, we'd been there and, and grown, had, uh, had families and people of, uh, of many different places of experience with, uh, with church and, uh, um, and with uh, meeting together as, as people in worship. And... Uh, I was greeting people, and this, and this, and this uh, uh, young man, maybe 12 years old, regular uh, there, attending with his mother and his two sisters, came charging, charging through the, the hallway, and, and and going out, and uh, he was upset about something. Um, I don't, I never found out what it was, but but he, he came there, and he realized where he was. He was right next to Dan, the pastor, and so. And so he said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I think maybe he was swearing, but then he was really quick in his mind. So he said, and he said, oh, that's all we hear about here. And then he charged right on by. My instinct, my instinct, I confess, was, oh, oh man, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But we could talk about some other things here. I'm, I'm sorry that... I'm sorry that we all we talk about is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I can feel myself blush. I think, no, that's what we should be talking about. That's what we we should be living in in every thought, word, and indeed, Jesus, Jesus. Praise should be be swelling in. In these sanctuaries, and our conversation should should look like conversations with Jesus, and, and Jesus should 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 be in our, our chatting with each other. We should be lifting prayers to Jesus, prayers of, of gladness, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of longing and petition, the desires of our heart, short prayers, long prayers. That's what we're called to be. We are the church of Jesus. The Jesus who says, what are you looking for? Not leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to spend time with the likes of you, but what are you looking for? Uh, maybe that's a question that we most of all need to be asking people in our lives whether they're near and familiar to us or whether they are just intersecting for a conversation. What are you looking for? I think I have an answer. May the Lord add his blessing to, to his scriptures, to his stories, as they have been opened up each of us again today. Let's sing together. Remain seated. 368. It's a prayer. Open my eyes that I may see.